Welcome back to Brevity Box on Ruminations Radio Network. I am your host, Brandon, and I'm here with the enigmatic Triple C as always. Hey, hey. It is Wednesday, November 16th, and we're almost at the top of the hour here at 7 p.m. Charles, how are you feeling today? Charles, I'm feeling good. I'm liking the vibes with you coming into the show like that. Yes, I need to. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of NPR lately, and I'm just trying to channel it. <laughs> and this is this is being recorded at. Right, I totally remember that. I hear the political podcast all the time. Okay, it's no longer funny anymore. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's Wednesday, <laughs> November sixteenth, uh, almost seven p.m. here in Tucson, and uh, we just uh, we just hit the record button. So what's what's going on, buddy? We haven't recorded in about a week. Haven't heard much from you because I know we're trying to start saving content for this. So, what's up? Um, you know, man, it's been uh, interesting. My wife has been out of town for a week, so I've been sort of focused on other things, working on the house, things like that. I, I've actually had a lot more time to just pay attention to what's going on. I've had some time to put uh, ears to a couple of episodes of the um other podcasts on the network and uh you know we we have this uh app that we use i'm sure a lot of you will know what discord is but that's how we communicate with each other about planning things and uh commenting on what others have going on and brando that conversation that everybody was clearly engaged in it seemed to come out of nowhere because i look at my phone and i see that everybody is saying that they're going to have to rent RoboCop. And yep. this came directly from a recent episode of another podcast on the Ruminations Radio Network, and that's Retro Futurist Culture. And he went through RoboCop and revealed a lot of things nobody knew, but you seemed pretty adamant, so I'm totally setting you up. And it's shameless, I know, but it was good. I, I got caught up in other ones that I want to talk about, but why you were like clearly motivated to go and watch that movie that night. I may or may not have put my phone on the wireless charging dock at work and fired up the copy of that movie I own on iTunes. Um, but no, I mean, I, I hadn't thought about RoboCop in a while. I remember you and I went to go see the uh, the remake several years yeah. ago. It was, it was an okay movie. Thankfully, it was one and done. They didn't try to franchise it. But the original RoboCop is such it is such an 80s movie but it's still it still holds up claymation robot oh yeah gotta love the claymation robot with like the weird animal sounds it makes when it can't go downstairs and does the whole turtle on its back thing but no just the uh all the crime fighting well the uh the vicious uh, one of the most vicious opening scenes i mean I mean, it's just, it's just a perfect example of like a near future, borderline dystopian version of Detroit, and it's so bad they have to send in a cyborg or android. <laughs> I forget the technical term for what the hell RoboCop is. Into uh, you know, clean it up, and it's yeah, silly I mean, that that movie would be the cult classic it became. But you, you, I mean, you, I, uh, I couldn't. I'm really just trying to set you up here to talk about the show though like what what is it i think you guys were talking about the director too i mean maybe, and, and again maybe it's just the fact that i work with some younger people these days on average but i don't you, you know you don't meet too many people that really just have that 
real fondness for a real 80s ass 80s movie if you catch my drift like robocop is i do love the way they actually went into some of the background on the on the director like you said and it just gives you a bit of a new uh new appreciation for it and my god i hadn't seen that movie in probably 12 years it, it it's still it still really holds up and it might be more relevant than ever with the uh fake news reports oh that, you said fake news why'd you go there that segment into the movie <laughs> well it, it the thing that caught me was that you you come in to try uh and create and you want everybody to listen and you want to listen to everybody's show and i listened to uh, two episodes of record store ruminations and uh you know you never know what to expect and it just i guess the only point i'm trying to get at is that they've they've all inspired me to keep listening sure but also like you i, I went out and wanted to watch robocop i wanted to watch scream because of ruminations of red rum and their their breakdown of the movie i just thought it, so far it's just been good content and uh i i mean we're the first fans right is that shameful <laughs> we're, we're fans of our own stuff or our friends stuff not shameful whatsoever it's been it's just been good to be really honest it's been the first like since it started becoming clear that there's an kind of an end date to a bunch of you know everybody's been so obsessed with politics and me too and having a week where I wasn't following an election, I wasn't waiting for something to be, and there's been some scary moments, but I wasn't waiting for something to be uh, revealed or, or certified or some crazy uh, headline. I mean, clearly an addiction of mine. It was nice to, to not, I mean, I mean, obviously there's not as many headlines. That's been relieving. And then to just have the ability to, pop on a podcast, whether it's something like uh, that I've been listening to for years and years, or whether it's some new content from some of our co-creators, I'm, I'm really already starting to feel just this huge amount of relief for what I think is going to be more of the norm going forward from, from the politics of the world. I'm, I'm glad not to be hearing as much about it. I'm looking forward to America being boring again. <laughs> right. I I am I am ready for uh, nobody to know what the hell is going on. And and speaking of recent headlines, I mean, I think the only thing that is can we can say has been universally certified in the last week is that Rudy certified Giuliani, is a great word. We need to make that a thing. Certified. Certified is that uh, Rudy Giuliani's out of his goddamn mind. Well, more so the more time that goes on. You know, and four seasons total landscaping. I need those Woo! shirts. We need four seasons total landscaping shirts. Lawn and order. I it just I think what gets me is I I I'm kind of glad to see that there's not as many. There's a lot more people that are hardcore about any of it, but it it just seems like everything's going a little more quietly now, and it's relieving. You know, the, I think the only thing that gets caught in an uproar for me is just seeing how it changes. Movie productions are a little weird. Sports are a little weird. I don't even know if you watch sports anymore. Being a Vikings fan, like I've said, I've said it. I might have said it before on this podcast. I have enough uh, depression and anxiety in my life right now, living during the pandy. I don't need the Minnesota Vikings really adding to it at the moment. What do you make before we get get into that? What do you make of this? I mean, I think we have to acknowledge that. On November 16th, 
you know, uh, what, right on the edge of Thanksgiving. Everybody knows that the the pandemic is is kind of having its third wave or second wave, I guess, depending on how you look at it. It clearly looks like a third wave to me. But what do you take from that, man? Do you get to a place where you feel like, uh, like I had a conversation with a friend today where the attitude was more of, uh, you know, I, if you're going to get it, you're going to get it. Right. And, uh, or, or, I mean, several people I live around that just has this air of it's unstoppable. And, um, you know, you, every, if you're, you might as well get it now. And, you know, these are kind of the same people that we're talking about. Um, I mean, I guess a lot of people were saying herd immunity six, eight months ago. And it's herd a mentality, real thing. It, right. It was herd mentality. Herd mentality. Well, herd immunity is a what they're going for, right? They're going for. I know, but they're just dumb. I couldn't resist. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I clearly. What is it? Was it Switzerland or Sweden that that did it? It was Switzerland, wasn't it? One of them that tried to go for herd immunity, and it's uh, it's just broken out a little more too severely. I don't know. I do the math on herd achieving herd immunity in America. You look at it, two and a half dead million Americans. Well, so that's uh, right. We read, I'm not arguing for, I'm simply saying that when I see what's going on, I don't, I don't know. I I don't have that feeling personally. I feel like we, we can do things. And of course I've said it before, right? I think of it more practically. I'm not trying to shame anybody. I just think the messaging is, is a split depending on who you're listening to without getting too deep into that political spectrum. Uh, It's, it's, you're not, not everybody's getting the same information right there unfortunately and it's kind of i don't know i don't know i did find myself getting a little reacted to that whole if you're gonna get it you're gonna get it thing i just don't like i'll tell you frankly i mean uh visiting arizona most of any contact all the boundaries were followed and that that seems you know, for, for my wife's trip back, it seemed like everybody stayed six feet apart. Everybody wore uh, masks and there was no casualness about it. And I can tell you living where I'm at, people are sort of, they wear their masks at the grocery store. They, um, they do what they're supposed to do, but there isn't this, uh, that kind of regard for it, right? Like parents still hug their kids and that, you know, so it's kind of, again, is that, you know, I, I get, I get, I did have a thought, you know, I don't know what, I don't know what's what. I just feel like it's better to be on the safe side. Like we can do something clearly, right? Putting on a mask isn't that hard. Just do no. it. Yeah. Put and on the mask. Gotta, keep the hospitals from getting overwhelmed. So see, if somebody boom, gets that's sick it. from anything. That's it right there. This is my truth. problem with the people that have the, oh, you're just going to get it. Might as well get it over with. Okay, cool. Let's say a lot of people start having that mentality. Oh, I just want to get to get it over with. Uh, ICU occupancy will go up. ICU yeah. occupancy will possibly max out in some areas. And then some poor bastard that gets rolled into the hospital with, I don't know, an appendix about to burst or just got into a horrific car accident. Right. That's yeah, not they're shit out right. of luck. That's what they're not thinking of. Exactly. They're being yeah. selfish. Well, and that's, that's true. And, 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 again, let's, and let's, some, to some, some extent, yeah, they're not, but that that's outside of many people's, um, spectrum like I'm, i guess i don't know i feel like if i knew somebody knew this information and rejected it i'd be harder on them but i think there are a lot of people that haven't had somebody like us sit there and say 
yeah, you're you're not thinking of this like the guy came in because he's having a infarction that they could probably treat, but they're overwhelmed and he's not getting in there for seven hours, you know? Yeah. I mean, your dad about with it, that from what I recall, didn't seem to be too rough on in, in the, the grand scheme of things. Uh, but I was pretty much calling my dad twice a day for 21 days to check on him because I was thinking my dad might die today in the VA hospital and I can't go see him. Yeah. A lot of no, people I had that thought. A lot of people don't realize those possibilities. Well, and I mean, right. If, they haven't had to confront it head on. And that's, that's, I think your dad, uh, your, your father was hospitalized. Oh, mine, yeah. mine thankfully wasn't, but I don't, the way I understand things now, I'm not sure that's because he was necessarily better. I think your father's also younger. Mm-hmm, and, definitely. You know, I think mine is, uh, survived a a double triple bypass and and had been um you know had a lot of he was on that page that first group of people they were describing so i had that feeling too and and that's certainly something that shifts your opinion i i didn't want to get too grim on the matter either i just i don't i've i was surprised to see that this far in that like what it was well, just not that people are dumb, but that, that, you know, that that would be the reaction. Like, I'm more curious about why that's the reaction. And I, I want to, I, because I think a lot of it's fatigue too, man. And for a lot of them, they don't realize, uh, like, if, if you're a person that that doesn't really keep up to date with much and and for whatever, you just have different things going on, then, you know, to some extent, it could really present itself as being unbeatable right like it just the way that it to them from i I try to see it from their perspective or from someone's perspective is overwhelmed by it or burnt out by it um and and yeah and try not to get too it's hard though right your instant reaction is just to be like what the what's wrong with you or you know what's going on i I think it's a lot of Go ahead, please. Sorry. I'm also in a bit of a sour mood about it today because our governor earlier today had did a live stream addressing the state about, you know, how poorly we're doing. So I'm I'm just a little annoyed by my fellow Arizonans for the most part. Yeah, but you know what? It's it's the whole place, man. It's, hey, it's we're, real- we're out of the top 10, baby. Arizona is no longer in the top 10. Now that I've said that, we're probably screwed tomorrow. But <laughs> <laughs> That's how usually things go. Yeah, you know what? I've I've been I got to stay consistent here. Um, We're definitely in the same place that a lot of states are where you're seeing an uptick. But I've said through every episode here that I've really been impressed with how the community in in southern Louisiana has done with it. We're not in that hot zone like we're kind of right there with you, actually, right now. Uh, It seems to be going on up north heavily, and I think they get the because of their cold region and, and the way the weather is shifting, I think they get a lot of, of other things going on at the same time, right? Like you were saying before, if Wisconsin's overwhelmed, there's a lot of people with a, a flu or a, a chest cold that just need to get treated and probably are having time tough time getting in. And it's affecting everything, right? It just seems like it's going into sports. I, I do think the NFL has done a... I'm going to make a hard shift here to sports, but I do think they've done a good job at at 
doing what probably we we will start doing in the contact tracing and you've been uh come into contact with this person you need to they're not on they're not playing that week or you know you you kind of see the adjustment and the game still keep going week to week have you been surprised by any of that do you think it'll you you said before that you thought we were going to be out of it by week 11 week 12 yeah, but, you know, the owners aren't going to leave that precious money sitting on the sideline for the safety of their players. So the full season, postseason, Super Bowl, unless something horrific happens and, like, I don't know, two-thirds of a team winds up hospitalized or infected, it'll it'll play out through to the end. Yeah, I think it'll play out through the end. And, I think they reschedule that game. I don't you're think right. that they... Considering the size of an NFL organization, the fact that they've been able to keep it as limited as they appear to be, is impressive. Yeah, and look, I've I've needed it. I, I I'll be I love the sport of football, and it's been uh, besides watching Drew Brees get just pummeled and crushed last weekend. That was oh, you mean kind of like watching that 09 NFC Championship game when your slightly aging quarterback is getting the shit kicked out of him by dirty players? I don't recall what exactly that sounds somewhat familiar. No, exactly uh, what I'm talking. Very, very long time ago. <laughs> Do you? But look, look, you remember that game? Are you still watching at all? You still watch any games? You catch any games? No, yeah, I might catch a little bit of a game here and there. Um, apparently, uh, you know, Josh Allen is the new, is, you know, the new Tim Brady. Tom Brady, whatever. Tim Brady's good. No, let's call him Tim. He likes that. Let's say Tim Brady. It's good. Uh, a, a buddy of mine who's is from Buffalo has been fairly excited about it. I mean, no more Tim Brady in the division. <laughs> His quarterback is like turning on God mode and playing Madden on a rookie somehow. It it's certainly looking a lot like Madden. I can make a lot of comments about that. Um, you know, we we've made it a practice in the last episode to bring in the guest, and then we'll talk about him later. And we're talking about sports, and we're talking about Tim Brady, and I think that that means I have to bring in uh, a very special friend of mine, and I'd like everybody to just keep listening, I guess. But Larissa, you got to chime in on Tim Brady and the Patriots. Welcome to Brevity Box. Thanks for doing this. We'll talk more about who the hell you are in a few minutes. Let's talk about football. Hi. Yes. Thanks. Let's let's talk about Tim Brady. That's great. <laughs> I love Tim Brady. I know you're a big Tim Brady fan. I ever am. since he was a uh, part of the Patriots under Bob Belichick. Yes, Bob Belichick. Bob yes. Belichick, the, the infamous duo of Tim Brady and Bob Belichick. Yes. Tim and Bob. Tim and the Bob. The old Bobber. That's mm-hmm. what they call him. There must always be two Smith. <laughs> so <laughs> you are a unabashed Patriots fan uh, from Tucson, Arizona, as mm-hmm. is so common. I, I know. I often get asked, the, the first, when people hear that, they the, the next question is, oh, are you from New England? Are you from Boston? And I'm like, no, I grew up in Tucson, born in California, grew up in Tucson. But there's a story behind why I'm a Patriots fan. And it is does tied it to Tucson. Gronkowski? Does it involve Gronkowski? It, I mean, does it, not, it does not. It not could. Involve it could. It could, but it does not. Okay. Because where did no. he go to school again? Somewhere. He went in... to a little a little university in northern Mexico called the University of Arizona. 
<laughs> yeah, it's in northern Mexico before he found his time under uh, Bob, Bob Belichick and Tim Bob Brady. Belichick. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, okay. Bob, so, Yo Soy Fiesta Bronkowski. Gotta love the guy. I no. mean, you gotta. So the thing is, you're always super fun to talk football about, and, and all the times we've talked about football, we I don't think I've ever asked you why you were a Patriots fan. Or maybe I did, but it was too long ago. I don't I don't know if we've ever talked about it. No. Um, but the reason why is because of a player by the name of Teddy Bruski. Teddy Bruski. Uh, I met him when I was in the sixth grade. Yes, he was he was a big deal. Mm-hmm. A little bit of a big deal in Tucson, Arizona, because again, went to the U of A. He yes. was a part of their storied desert swarm defense. And when he was drafted by the Patriots, it was a big deal in Tucson because, you know, there's nothing else going on down there. This is a really good reason that I'm going to have a hard time making fun of you for, damn it. I know. It's kind of stops people once once they hear it. Um, and because I had no allegiance to an Arizona team, because when the Cardinals first came to Arizona, they were the Phoenix Cardinals, not the Arizona Cardinals. And damn. everybody knows that there's a big rivalry between phoenix and tucson when you grow up in tucson you don't support anything that has anything to do with phoenix hell no see thank you so i was not about to be a cardinals fan so teddy that's because phoenix is desert la oh oh, you're killing me Because I know you have something to say about that too. Oh, that's a whole I mean, other topic. I mean, you're not wrong. No, <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> it's all uh, beach, no ocean. I love it up here, though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. By the way, where do you live? Uh, Phoenix. Yeah. Phoenix. Okay. Okay. Yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, he was drafted by the Patriots, and I—that's when I went. Okay. Guess I'm, I can follow him to the Patriots. And then the other little what a year to become a fan. Yeah. And then I saw Drew Bledsoe and I went, oh, okay, absolutely. I want to watch that guy play football every Sunday. So, so did you hate Tim Brady the first time he took the field? <laughs> I absolutely did. Multiple, <laughs> multiple reasons. I mean, it worked out well. Don't get me of wrong. Course. Tim, yeah, Tim right. did well for us. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, there's multiple, there's, that not only did he replace my beloved Drew Bledsoe, but Tom Brady is from Michigan, and I am also a huge Notre Dame fan. Oh, so, boy. Yes. That's so right. I was watching that game. I remember Bledsoe going down. In comes number six, the draft pick, no name Tim Brady from Michigan? Are you kidding me? God, me. Dad bod motherfucker, and why is he on my field? Yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I I thought this is it. I oh my god, what is happening? What has happened to my team? This this little no name kid, Tim Brady. I I don't. This is not good. It's horrible, horrible. Hated him, hated him. And when did he when did he steal you back? When did you start liking him? Well, you know, still... it it was was it the long pretty... hair and ugh phase. <laughs> Is it pre-Giselle, post? It, it was pre-Giselle, yeah, pre-Giselle. <laughs> um, 
you know, <laughs> I mean that that first Super Bowl was was pretty amazing. So you know that season, and then it helps that he's a big winner, huh? I, I mean, is there anything else? It would for important? me. Look, I can't say that's, anything. That's what that's what they're it playing. That's what they're playing the game for is to win and go to the Super Bowl and then win. This is why that's I casually don't remember when uh, a close friend is making odd references to a playoff game that may or may not have been uh, with some really hard hits on an aging maybe mm-hmm. Hall of Famer quarterback. Mm-hmm. The New England yeah. Saints defense should have been charged with elder abuse. It's bullshit that they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's a fair point uh yes that's and pretty good that's also why i don't remember two of the super bowls that we went to because they just didn't happen oh oh, mm-hmm. oh i got it dilly dilly didn't happen right so i, every- I don't know what you're referring to but no if it had happened <laughs> it, did, it did not so no, was, no, I can tell you about it. It was great. So what happened? No, 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 it's okay. You got to ask Larissa something here. So if, if that's the case, if you're just walking down the street and you see somebody pass by in like a uh, New England Giants jersey, do you like see red and hear like the weird song from Kill Bill and go into a bloodthirsty rage? <laughs> oh, I love the weird song Kill Bill. <laughs> it does tell me all I need to know about that person. <laughs> And I will stay away from them. Yes. That's funny. I feel the same yeah. way about Green Bay Packer jerseys. Yeah, very cool. No. Yeah. See? Yeah. So yeah. you get it. You understand. Relatable. Relatable. <laughs> so as a Pats fan, uh, when I was talking to you this weekend about setting, we were supposed to do this on Sunday. We on were. On game day. <laughs> yes. And, we uh, and look, props to your fandom for just straight up saying, <laughs> I'm blowing you off. Because I have to watch the game. Yeah. yeah. You're just straight up. That says a lot about how long we've been friends. With, I get it. <laughs> I figured but, if anybody would understand, it would be you. Hey, man. Yeah, what a game. Man, what a game. And I got to get I gotta get the hot take from a Pats fan. <laughs> Especially because you didn't expect that. I, I know you did didn't not. expect that. No. So here's my question. Do you feel like okay I'll give you a, a multiple choice do you think that what is going on with lamar jackson this year is a the madden curse because he is the poster boy this oh, year for those right. of you who do not know what the madden curse is there is a Fake absurd news. percentage of accuracy to if a player is brando maybe you do a better job of saying this bluntly Basically, if you're on the cover of Madden, it's a pretty good chance that you're going to have a massive slump in the next season or suffer a season or possibly career-ending injury. Yeah, look, Antonio Brown didn't get injured, and he was a cover man, and he's just now getting a team. Well, look, let's be honest. He has a possible (laughs) career-ending mental injury, if you catch my drift. (laughs) Okay, so is... (laughs) it's true is is it because he's got the madden curse is it because he's just overrated or is it because bob belichick's a genius and knew how to stop him and yes i know (laughs) before anybody freaks out i just like disrespecting a little bit darth belichick use his title Uh, fair fair the dark lord darth belichick (laughs) 
<laughs> story about Darth Belichick the cheater. <laughs> so what was it? What do you think it is? Do you think it's a I... combination of or so I <laughs> like what did, okay, let me ask you, what did Part you of think me wants to feel... why did you think they were gonna lose? Um because the team is the the team has been gutted, first of all, between the players that opted out this season due to COVID, which is understandable. Um, but we lost right. some significant players, quite a few. You did. You did. Um, it's true. And then, you know, injuries, Edelman, Nikhil, you know, injuries have taken out some key players. Uh, you know, Cam is inconsistent at best. <laughs> Man, your inflection said like a paragraph of insult. <laughs> to quote, you know, our good old Cam <laughs> a woman talking about inconsistency quarterbacking or whatever the hell he said during that press conference. Inconsistent, dude. Oh, yes. What did he make fun of that female reporter for? Asking him about routes? Oh, oh that was some time. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. What, was yeah it I forgot time? about that. There's no yeah. meaning anymore. Time but you know, doesn't it say something about Belichick that he can get this these performances out of him at all? I mean, the guy's an amazing coach. But Oh, so absolutely. You, and I feel, and so that, to, you know, I want to yeah, say it, that, yes, it is the genius of Belichick. That's what he can do. He can get those wins when people think they can't. He manages to do it. However, they also struggled against the Giants. Or, sorry, the Jets. The Jets haven't won a game all season. Now, granted, they were playing really well that game, but they haven't won a game all season, and they almost beat the Patriots. The Jets haven't so, been relegated to minors yet? No, I, I know. I don't get it. They're still allowed to play in the league, the National Football League. Why? Don't know. The XFL should take them. They really should. Just there, take If them. there is no XFL, yeah, they should just take them. Just too. take them. <laughs> Poor Jets fans. There are no Jets, Jets fans. There are really Jets fans. Do they the exist? Hard hat. They do. The one they guy with the foam it. finger. That that guy. That one guy with the foam <laughs> finger. <laughs> yeah. No. The the you know they have that that uh that uh, uh uh he wears a white hard hat and goes out there and he leads everybody's <laughs> chant for J E T S. That's who I remember. I just remember them always making a focal point on him whenever there was an audience 30 years ago, like it feels like. <laughs> so you watch this team call. You're right. Look, you spot on. You've, they've dealt with a lot of injuries, a lot of key injuries, a lot of key uh, sit outs because of COVID. And then they go up against the Ravens yeah. who are exciting and amazing. And Lamar Jackson is clearly a, a physically talented uh, athlete. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. He's plays the quarterback position. He's made some good passes, but I, I don't know that I've seen him carry a team as a quarterback that doesn't run, but I don't know if that really is too much of a thing anymore. Right. Everybody's running. Uh, yeah. I think more and more that's, that's the way it's going is the run game. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and again, talking about inconsistency, I think, He's definitely displayed a lot of that, Lamar Jackson. You know, he has yet to really prove that he can uh, consistently come in and win against marquee teams. That's the thing I liked about, I think, Pittsburgh's win and Tomlin 
Tomlin's reactions are always like a like a sergeant on a battlefield. Oh yeah. We respect yeah. him, but we do not fear him. I was like, damn. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Belichick played that tape. I was like, yeah, what he said. Let's go. You know, and then yeah. they shut him down. I mean, they played that's that's the thing. I'm a unabashed Saints fan. Um, and I I can't help but be a fan of seeing them. Uh, you hear old like black and white football film era quotes like matriculating down the field like they really do go for it 10 yards at a time and Mm -hmm. they they somehow put a they iced out a team that always is presented as this monster you had to feel great that night what what team are you talking about what what game was that baltimore uh ravens Totally with Rex Burkhead. <laughs> That's what blows my that mind. That's such a ridiculous he, 1950s <laughs> jock name. It totally is. It's a Spider-Man name. It's the guy Spider-Man knows in high school. Oh, Rex Spider-Man Burkhead. Man. Parker. <laughs> Rex Burkhead and Peter Parker. I'm telling you. <laughs> Rex mean, Burkhead he, is a jerk. Who was it? What's, it was a receiver, Burkhead. right? It was uh it was who threw the pass? It wasn't Cam uh no it oh god i'm blanking What's his name? neil neil no oh my gosh i'm totally spacing out on his name right now i should know okay that. we'll have to edit this out to prove that you know <laughs> what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> but it was a look it was that kind of creativity but Josh seen, yes but we have to be fair we have seen that before there was a time when Edelman and Tom yeah, Brady. That's true. You know, Edelman threw. I don't think it was for a touchdown, but he did. It throw was Nikhil a... Harris, wasn't it? Nikhil no, it was not Nikhil Harry. Harry, sorry. It was not Nikhil Harry. Yeah, I can't remember. Was this it guy's Jacoby name Meyer? Either. It might have been. I just know that was an unexpected. I just, again, Rex Burkhead. You know, they take Rex Burkhead every year for about four or five weeks is this unstoppable machine. Yeah. Yeah. Just the go-to guy. He gets us so there. I, I can't help. It's just, just awesome. I, I, I personally think I like seeing uh, any hot shot quarterback being brought down to earth a little bit. I like the underdog. I think that game put me into a, a painful position because I don't like Cam Newton, but yet I'm kind of rooting for him. So, welcome yeah. to my world my friend welcome to my world oh, I feel God. real dirty and not in a good way not in a good way so now now that tim brady's left how do you feel about uh what brady's doing with the bucks uh well he's dead to me because he no longer plays for my team so <laughs> so tim brady's I, accurate yes tim brady that i don't i don't know him uh do you not pay attention to what he's been doing down there at all? It's hard not to, right? Because there's still yeah. this so much hype around him. You can't help but get caught up in it a little bit. And, you know, but did I feel really good when the Saints just pummeled them? Yeah, I, I did. That did happen. Did. That, that did, did happen. feel good. It did. Not going to lie. It, it did. did feel good. Because yeah. <laughs> of the defensive prowess. Like, we just were... We had, I have that, that, uh, pick 
of him just benched with his thousand yard stare, feeling just good about our defense and how it showed up. You would um I, I know I don't know how much of an opportunity you've had, but when we have one of uh my close friends Ray as a guest and she, they we were going through her uh I'm sorry, excuse me, their situation with their dad having aphasia. And at one point the discussion got to a place where um for if you're not familiar with what that is, that can sometimes affect uh one's ability to communicate. And oh. at the time the man is is, you know, working his way through being able to communicate. I don't want to butcher the story, but you'll have to listen to it because it's great. Okay. But uh the one thing that was clear that he was focused on was a game on the television that involved the New England Patriots. And the one clear thing that comes out of his mouth is Tom Brady is a dick. <laughs> Like literally, like uh, of all the different things that would be a struggle to say, clearly involved and focused in the game, almost seemingly galvanized by the pure hatred of Tom Brady. <laughs> and that... in that moment, salient like statement, Tom Brady's a dick. Just, just Brando right and there. I yeah. lost it when we heard that part of the story. I think he's that... right. Yeah, that sums up, uh, you know, everyone that is not a New England fan. I think that sums up how they feel about Tom Brady. <laughs> it's just a, a hilarious part of it. I mean, you know, it's it's um, it's I love the sport. I like how it brings people's attention together. You you clearly know your team. You you know what's what have you taken away from the season like? How do you feel about the way? Do you feel like it's taken away from the game? I mean, I feel like the the not having the audience there is taken away from the game. Yeah, it has. The fans has, it has. has really kind of taken some of that, especially for us Saints and Super Superdome. You know, you're not yeah. you're not getting that same fan interaction and pressure on third down. Yeah, that's. I mean, that seems to be what I've what you know players are certain com certainly commenting on from us fan standpoint obviously i don't know i'm watching it on tv sounds real enough to me but i i mean our season has just been some highs and a lot of lows and i really don't know what to expect from this team anymore like i said i it's the first time it's it's the first right. time where approaching a season and you go wow we probably won't make the playoffs that's wow that's to start the season that way weird. is weird i can't imagine that's so early in for, yeah i mean the end of a dynasty has got to be rough it makes it sting just a little bit more but i it's mean we uh, i wish this made it feel better but we all knew this was coming you know we right. we managed to be dominant for 20 years i mean that's unheard of and to have witnessed my team accomplish the things that they did, you know, really to be pissed off that we're, we may not make the playoffs this season. I mean, really, you know, we, we had our time. We had our time. Right. And, and, well, and now if anything, it, it kind of, I can enjoy 
in a weird way, I get to enjoy the games again because it's not just like, oh, they're winning. All right, I'm done. You know, well, we got this game on lock, so that's it. It it definitely, I'm finding, for better or for worse, I'm much more invested and involved in the games when I watch them because I don't, I literally do not know what the outcome is going to be. We could get blown more out. More drama. More yeah, drama. We, we could get blown out or we could somehow magically pull off a win against the Ravens. I, I don't know anymore. So it kind of makes it more interesting. In, that it, 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 in the year, right? It's the year. It starts off, gets to pandemic, then Cam Newton signing onto your team. Like the one quarterback you can't stand. Oh, and it's like yeah. your your best your best outlet for getting away from your job and having to deal with everything uh-huh. there in a year of COVID is this. Yeah. Yeah. Camvid 19. <laughs> I like that. Thank you. Thank you. No, so this this is a good way for me to segue about this because I think that's that's sort of the value of the sport is uh, being able to draw your attention away from anything, everything. More so a few months ago with the impending election and all the campaigning and people's emotions running high. It's easier now, I think, to enjoy, but I don't really deal with it every day and and i think this is probably as good a time as any to just get a little more into why you're here but part of this is let's start with just this year right i mean you're uh you're a lot of things but you deal with you deal with you deal with the fact that you you deal with the people every day i do i deal with the people so we're gonna we're not gonna keep the name of your employer out of it, I guess. But let's yes, feel please. Comfortable. I okay. do not. I, let's I work, just say I, a I well-known work... chain of stores. Yes, I technically work. Yeah, well, see, you're giving too much away. We'll oh, I said too much. Okay. Yep. At forty-one fifty-five. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So let's let's before we get to that. Right. Currently, what would you? I mean, look. I always tell people you're a chef just because I love that part of you and we talk food. Thank you. And we will. But what would you say your job title is? Just want to say management involved? Uh, Leadership. I would say culinary leadership. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. But you deal with people coming in all the time. Yes. With varying standards. You've seen a lot of this Mm -hmm. effect. Have mm-hmm. you had some of that same sort of, I mean, same fatigue? How's it affected you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, people were, even at the height of this pandemic, you know, the height of the lockdown here in Arizona, or what constituted our lockdown, you know, you could see people just, you know, uh, because of the nature of the store that I work in, because we were open we sort of became the place for people to go because they couldn't go to restaurants. They couldn't go to malls or right. anywhere else. That's right. So suddenly they're just flooding the store. And wow. it, I mean, I mean, they weren't shopping. I mean, granted we had a lot of shoppers as well, but during the summer, I mean, it was, it was crazy. People were coming to the store just to sort of walk around and be amongst people which was exactly what we were not supposed to be doing. And then as time has progressed, you know, and then from the people that were shopping, 
it seemed like the pandemic sort of brought out the worst in people, you know, suddenly it was. Just in terms of how they treated you or how they treated each other. Both, both, both. you know, the sense of entitlement. And, and I do work for a store that, you know, already their customer base is already very entitled. So I understand that, but the entitlement just sort of ratcheted up a couple of notches. I mean, it was just out, just unbelievable. And it's find yourself smuggling toilet paper. We no lie. We had to like make like deals in the the team leader office. Like, hey, Tony, you guys getting a delivery of toilet paper today? Okay, can you set a couple? I need a couple of packs. Can you just set them aside for me? Thank you. uh, Maybe uh, maybe you got one of them whipped cream uh, cookies. Yeah. What do you you need? Some cookies? Oh, fill up the back of a truck. Seriously, it was legit happening. Trench like, coat, like parking garage <laughs> meeting. <laughs> you know, like what? Both one's got a bag of toilet paper, the other one's got like four dozen gourmet cookies. You got the money? That's, yeah, you got the of, stuff. It kind of was like <laughs> the cookie that. monster. <laughs> you got the stuff. We were, we were, because uh, the grocery team leader, he's, his name is Tony. And so we were literally some days like, Hey, are you guys getting toilet paper today? Are you guys getting paper towels today? Okay. Can I have, you know, three packs or four packs, whatever, before it goes out onto the floor. Yeah, we had to, we had to, the, the, the that guy panic. was king of the forest for like four months. Oh, Tony was miserable. It was hilarious, but <laughs> it's okay. He's always miserable. Um, but it, the, <laughs> you get to decide but, who gets the toilet paper and who doesn't. You better treat him right. Everybody gets any days he wants off. Any day he wants off. You like being clean? Well, maybe I can't be here Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> Tony's the man. Tony is the man. <laughs> so you saw a lot of that. You saw you had to deal with it up front. There's a real fatigue that comes with that. I think. I think, I think uh, now now the fatigue is really settling in hardcore i mean people are coming in the masks the amount of incorrectly worn masks is just you know people literally do not give a fuck they have zero fucks to give at this point my mask is on because i needed to get into the store but they're taking it off when they talk to you it's draped around their chin it's under their nose i mean they and in the meantime you have to wear that through your entire shift which can can last how long I have that? to wear it the entire time I am in the store. Wow. Entire time I'm on the store, in the yeah. store, doesn't matter. Whether I'm shopping on the clock, off the clock, doesn't matter. If I'm in the store, the mask is on. And in the bakery, it's extra fun because I'm working in front of not one, not two, but three six foot tall rack ovens and a six foot tall industrial size proofer. So. Oh. Yeah. In the summertime, that was fun. Yeah, it's hot. It's real hot. So I don't have a lot of sympathy for these people that are like, it's too hot. I can't breathe. You know what? Try 120 degree weather standing in front of three ovens and a proofer. Okay. Then you can talk to me about it. You know what the perfect response for those people are? What's that? You just, you know, it's like, yeah, and our troops wear full gear in Afghanistan during 120 degree days. Shut up, put your mask on. Yeah. 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 You, know, you support the troops, don't you? <laughs> well, I, look, and it's funny, but the reality is some of the men that, uh, like, we have friends that are in the military, mm-hmm. and I've asked those questions to them, and that's a lot of the attitude from uh, from them as well. 
is that huh. they don't have a choice and they've got, you know, if somebody tells you you need to wear some protective equipment, then they have to wear it and they understand the value and the importance and like how significant it can be. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think people definitely get tired of it, but you, you clearly have an edge on it about it too. And I think, I think I'm, I mean, I've seen that from everybody who has to deal with it up front like that, you know, Brando, mm-hmm. you sort of have your, your, your office, right. You don't really yeah. come into contact with people regularly except for coworkers. And the great thing is we just got an email from our CEO recently saying that all uh, planned staged phasing, whatever of coming back of slowly coming back to the office is on hold for the time being. It's nice for me because I get to keep my, what I call my fart bubble. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. There's there's nobody within about a solid 30 feet of me. A pressurized (laughs) veil atmosphere. I'm glad you're thinking of these things. There's maybe four other people in my department and oh my God, I don't ever want it to end. You you understood aerosol-based spread before it became a real part of the pandemic conversation, right, Brando? Is that what you're telling me? You had an edge on that? Mm -hmm. Like, clearly, I could just see him sort of beautiful minding his way through an equation when they're talking about the aerosol. He's like, ah. (laughs) Eric, 20 feet away, smelled my my gas the other day. I'm pretty sure he can catch it. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think it's not, I think it's fair to, mm. to be, uh, stingy with them. It's hard because you just, you're up front about mm-hmm. it. Do you ever run into the, some of those, those videos that we've seen where you get called sheeple or somebody says you're overreacting Do people sort of bicker at you for having to wear it or wearing it at all, or uh, they sort of turn blind to it? I think they they pretty much leave us alone about it. I mean, there's been a lot of pushback from just the customers entering the store, but I think they understand or they seem to understand that for us it's required. We don't have a choice. It's you know, it's it's just a part of my uniform at this point. It's like the slip resistant shoes that I'm required to wear. I'm required to wear an apron. I'm required to wear a hat. We already refer to these things as PPE. So, it's just one more one more element to that and so just like so they don't gone from chef to hazmat suit I... <laughs> right i mean somewhat. with that mask somewhat yeah yeah I so guess. we've been with that regard customers have you know been they've been fine with it you know we don't we don't hear a lot of negativity from them towards us i mean particular. i can't imagine somebody harassing a, a worker about wearing their mask I just people suck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They well, they can. I, I think we're a little more profound with that, but I lost my train of thought. No, it was pretty funny. Um, you know, we. I ask you these things. I'm. I'm. It's just a long way from where I thought you could have. Thi- you, you weren't thinking about having to be uh, in culinary leadership, dealing with a pandemic in a setting where you were having to deal with people when I met you, because I mean, you're working at strictly CDs in Tucson mall. <laughs> that takes me back. Right? Right? Remember that place? <laughs> yeah. Remember that place? Yeah. I mean, and look, it was, it's a cool place. I mean, it was, it, it kind of, it's hard not to fall into those, uh, 
you know, Empire Records comparisons because you don't have much else to pull from. High Fidelity, too. That one. Yeah. Well, that yeah. was my next one on the shelf. Both love movies I love. Yeah. And that's kind of, I mean, you kind of fit the role, too, right? Because you had some attitude about what music people were getting, as you should. Oh, we were 100% elitist and musical snobs. Yeah. 100%. Oh, oh 100%. please tell me who your most hated artist was at that point in time. Who were you really judging people on buying at that point? Um, probably this was, I mean, in the early 2000s, it was probably Britney Spears or, you know, anything really, any kind of serious, like pop music. Mm. So probably Britney Spears. She's probably a favorite target, you know, where we were just like, no, get out, get out. <laughs> I mean, I like, mean, that, and that's... I guarantee you my music sucked. <laughs> guarantee you. She hated everything. I was like, hey, have you heard this? I was that ridiculous guy, I'm sure. Of it. Yeah, yeah. Larissa doesn't, uh, you know, seem to me like the kind of lady who listens to weird, annoying French house music at 7 a.m. on a Saturday when your roommate's trying to sleep. You have, you don't know. Wow. That's oddly specific. Yes, I Probably do. Because it's very specific. <laughs> Just saying. No, it, it just it fit that atmosphere, and it's been yeah. It, you know that's that's where we met um, randomly. I worked across from you basically. In yeah, American well, Eagle. Yeah. yeah, that's really where we actually met was at your store. Yeah. But we were across from each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And throughout the reason that I I always go. F- for a moment and explaining what it is that motivates me to have people uh, invited on the show. And look, it's not, it's simple enough to say, you know, how do you get from strictly CDs, empire records, high fidelity, judging everybody for the music they buy to <laughs> being in culinary leadership and judging everybody for how they do things. I mean, there's a stretch of, of world between those two that there could is. go, we could go there. But the, the thing is, is that I know, I kind of, I mean, obviously I've been, we've become very close friends. Thankfully we've worked in different atmospheres together where we were, uh, you know, co-managers of two different stores for the same company. Mm -hmm. And the thing that stands out is uh, I, I know that for my story, I was very maybe brash or cavalier or just excited to run at, oh, hey, I think I'm just going to move from you know this place west i'm gonna go here and i'm gonna figure this out and Mm -hmm. that kind of attitude led me to tucson and you know i certainly run into some people like that but not many most people have a pretty clear plan or they have a real like they're not going through that same um on their own especially it's not one person going on their own and doing something and maybe not knowing how it's going to turn out yeah and sort of seeing you go from the different jobs that you did to and and because i had that sort of uh different levels of being a peer of yours watching you go through it we can get into all those jobs sure but at some point you leave arizona on your own 
you mm-hmm. I think you first went to California or did you first go to Vegas? No, I first went to Las Vegas. Yeah. Right. Then yeah. California and then mm-hmm. right. Okay. So yeah. this is kind of my point. And sort of outside of the whatever was going on in your personal life and relationships and whatnot, it was always on you. Mm-hmm. And you would make these calls and just go for it. And you would make it work by yourself. And I, of course, being your friend, had heard a lot about the struggles that you went through and a lot about the things that you overcame, all the way to the point where you are deciding that you're going to go to culinary school. Mm-hmm. And which is something I'm envious of. And Brando, you and I are both connected through food. We will definitely get into that here in a minute. This is why we're fat, yes. We know you've been scared watching horror movies by yourself. Well, now you don't have to. Hang out with Ruminations of Red Rum. All things horror, from movies to the latest spooky games we've played. Come hang out. But hurry. The killer's behind you! Yeah, but it's like, you you did something with a love of that. Um, that type of affection for preparation and food in general. And you went to an amazing school by yourself. You worked hard. You carried a job at the same time and you got through it. And it's a testament to all these different, I mean, that's three or four different moves that you've had in (laughs) what, 15 years or less, like 12 years. And put yourself yeah. through school, became a chef, and, you know, uh, not going to ask you your age, but you're not 20. <laughs> no, and you've I'm done not. all this stuff on your own, and I just think that's a, a story worth hearing. So I'm, I'm, I asked you to be here, and I'm glad that you are. And it boils down to that, right? How do you go from being the opinionated music <laughs> lover, like have you always been that way? Was that the story all along? You kind of knew you were going to keep, were you going with your gut or does it just look that way when you decide to up and leave Tucson and and go to Vegas and why Vegas? That initial move was just kind of, yeah, going with my gut. It was that, you know, I grew up in Tucson and I, I moved to Tucson. My family moved to Tucson when I was six from California and I had always kind of wanted to, get out of Tucson, you know, just never particularly wanted to settle there and, um, kind of had my hopes common for people from Tucson. I think it's, yeah, they either settle there. Like, cause I have plenty of high school, the people I went to high school with who are there have been there ever since aren't going anywhere else. That's it for them. And that's fine. Um, but then there seems to also be the opposite. Those of us that grew up there that are like, Nope, I got to get out of here. Just right. not for me. Yeah. Gotta go. Um, and those and, of us who come there are never not from there. And we're like, wow, this is amazing. You guys are always like, you're crazy. What's wrong? Yeah. With yeah. And, and I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to badmouth Tucson again. No, I have you're a great not. deal of affection and nostalgia for it. I appreciate it so much more now as a, as an adult, but in my twenties, mm-hmm. it was just not where I wanted to be. And I initially wanted to move to California, but um, even back in those days, the 
cost of living out there was astronomical. And I just knew. Oh, okay. Not after the great exodus, not like that. Yeah, yeah not, that's not super affordable like it is now. Um, so I just knew, you know, as a young 20 something year old girl, I was not, gonna, <laughs> it was a little out of my range. So um, I had recently met someone who had moved to Tucson from Las Vegas. And um, I kind of thought, oh, people actually live in Vegas? Interesting. And that's where, that's how Vegas came on my, you know, got on my radar, quite honestly. Never been there. Um, I had been there a total of one time for like three or four days before I moved there. Never stepped foot off the strip. But there was just something about it that I thought, you know, this is where I'd like to be. I think I'm going to move here. And I did. Well, so like, so look, it sounds really simple. But I know that that maybe I'm wrong about that one move, but I know moves in between and moves of my own takes a certain personality trait to go. I might have enough money to move, but I'm going to move. Yeah. And, you know, and just have that, you know, I know that you carry some anxiety like anybody, but there's a self-confidence there to be like, it's going to work. I'm gonna I... go, and you did. <laughs> I mean, because I remember those chats with you. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. where you were like, uh, "I don't know, I'm gonna have to get a job within like four days," you know, kind of thing. <laughs> I I think, from my perspective, I like to think that it was confidence, but realistically, I think it was more just youthful ignorance. You know, like I just I didn't know any better. It never occurred to me that I would fail or that things would go wrong because I had never suffered or gone through any sort of adversity at that point. It was like, well, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I want to do. So I'm going to do it. And I sort of marvel at that now because I'm like, why, why, why wouldn't it occur to me that shit could have gone sideways real bad? Like I just up and did it because it never occurred to me that I shouldn't or I couldn't or that things might not go well. Right. Well, I knew we were friends for a reason. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, uh, I think I want to dive into some of those things that, that would have, cause I know that those moves you did end up making it and, and sustaining, mm-hmm. but there were definitely moments that you're like, okay, maybe my time's done here. Oh Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and that's, that's moments of pure struggle. We'll have to get into that in the long interview. Yeah. That, but, I mean, that's not but, to say that, you know, there weren't struggles and trials and tribulations and things were. that went wrong. But again, it, it, those, the thought of those things never occurred to me before I did them, you know, that I would encounter those kinds of things. It never occurred to me. So it was never, it wasn't a setback. So do you feel like it was the same each time? Because I know that that no. wasn't the first time, right? Like you say, youthful ignorance for that moment to move to Vegas. And then <laughs> let's say when you're moving from Vegas to LA, do you feel like that youthful ignorance is still there? Is it a you know, no. half tank? Uh, the move from Vegas to Huntington Beach was really very different because it was, I was in a very unhealthy place. Uh, personally, 
at that moment in my life in Las Vegas. And so it was more of, I need to get away from here because this is a very unhealthy environment. Um, so it, it was, it, it was, that like was I all just, much more personally involved struggle. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And, and I just, I just needed to get away. And so again, uh, there was no, it was, I'm just going to pack up, get rid of everything, only take whatever's going to fit in my car. I don't know what I'm going to do or, you know, I knew where I was going, but that was it. That was you're, it. You're, you're living, breathing Pat Benatar song. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, that's so, it's cool. It's admirable. You packed up every, anything that would fit in the car and you went to Huntington Beach. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you have one, what would you say your big lesson looking back was from your time in Vegas? And again, I don't, I don't know what to delve into. I guess what, what made you love it? What made you love it right away? If you had to say three things that made you feel like you needed to be there because you did go back. I did eventually go back. I did. I I felt uh, because I felt I, I needed to, because again, when I left the first time, it was very much like, well, I'll be back. You know, Vegas is home. I just, I'm going through some stuff. I need to clear my head. I need to figure some things out, you know, kind of get my shit together, so to speak, and then go back to Las Vegas. I wasn't supposed to be away for as long as I was. Um, I see. So that was part of my decision to go back the second time. But getting there, I just felt like I had found my home. Like, I loved that. I know that feeling. I could... I could go home and just exist in this quiet little desert city and live a normal life. But then just down the street, I could, I had access to the best restaurants in the world, whatever shows I wanted to see. Everybody was coming through town. Uh, It was, there was a, a, you know, a good level of excitement. And when you're 21, 22 years old, that was, you know, that was a huge, it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of, <laughs> a lot of long nights, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I lived my uh, Vegas days with no social media and no camera phones, um, wow. but uh, yeah. it, you know, yeah, it, it was just, it was a lot of fun. And then at the end of the day, like I said, I could go home, sleep in my own bed, get up, go to work. If it, if I wanted to go out and have a long night out, it was just right there. If I wanted to stay home. I could stay home. And again, there's so many great restaurants out there. So many, okay, so, so many. You're, you're, you're giving me a lot to work with here. So here's my first question. And it's, I know we've had this discussion personally, but mm-hmm. I think it's a good opportunity for you to display as somebody who's been a Vegas native long enough. When you keep referencing Vegas to somebody who's maybe never been there or only been there once for a weekend, they're thinking of the strip. Yeah. Right. And there's two Vegases. Yeah. Yeah. Truly. Right. Yeah. There's the strip, which we all know. Well, and then there's Vegas off the strip, which honestly, if I'm being perfectly honest, it's a lot like Arizona. <laughs> Surprising. They're both in the desert. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't think I realized it as much the first, you know, seven, eight years I was there. Um, but then when I left and came 
back to Arizona and moved to Phoenix, that's when I went, you know, they really are just kind of the same thing off of the strip. It's, and I think that's kind of what helped me transition to Phoenix. So getting from most of your experience working up until you decide that you are going to become a chef is in retail and mm-hmm. in sales, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think retail can be just a lot of shit to complain about yeah. comes with that territory. But in, in this case, I don't think it can be ignored that it did like the the thought, the thinking to use it as a conduit to get to different places, I think was really something that a lot of people do not do. And really? I think you used, I don't think they do as much as it oh. might seem that they should because yeah. it was so, I mean, it worked well, right? I mean, it worked well for you to get um, around, but I want to come back to what like value that plays in. Like, do you feel like um, what you're doing now, do you feel like any of the experience you had in retail coming up in management or upper management there, did that give you any tools that you still use today? Um, yes. In the sense that I, you know, I've always been very shy, very quiet, very much an introvert. And I don't think I learned in any real way to come out of my shell until I started working in retail. Um, it, and even to the point where my mom was like, wow, like once you started working in retail, she's like, you really opened up and we're not afraid to, you know, talk to people and speak up. And she saw me at work and she couldn't believe, you know, how comfortable I was talking to people. And I'm like, yeah, well you, you have to. And I didn't, I didn't realize it at the time, how tremendous that is because people will see me outside of work. And it's still the, you're so quiet. Well, how come you never say anything? And I'm like, I don't know. That's just me, man. I'm quiet. I'll, don't worry. I'll, all day. Yeah. I've been <laughs> talking all day. I don't want to, but when I'm at work, that's my comfort zone. I'm not afraid to speak up. I talk all day. My team is probably sick and tired of hearing me talk most days. And I think I never would have learned that, even though it's harder to channel it in my everyday life. I never would have learned how to speak up had I not worked in retail and to be comfortable interacting with strangers because that was, right. that just never happened. I lived in this. Oh, and that takes practice too. It's not even it just does. Like once it's you true. learn it. Yeah. It, it wasn't like an you, overnight thing. It, yeah. It, it happened over time. Yeah. 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 So you go from Tucson to Vegas. Um, you've made the comments about how the restaurants were there. I'm the same way you get your, your places that you go. Brando and I, I think, well, we went, right. we went to Saffron in Tucson. I believe. Well, yeah, I believe we did. Yeah. I think she had joined us once. Mm -hmm. I mean, it always Mm -hmm. looking for any good, like for me, that appreciation for, for food and for, culinary at all comes by way of the fact that my mother was a uh, managing comptroller for a you know registry resort and Kempinski hotels and Ritz Carlton hotels so 
single mom working in these areas gave me a lot of access to five star <laughs> restaurants. And because I'm the manager's son, I uh, it's not like they were going to kick me out of the kitchen. So a lot yeah. of them put me to work. And uh, who, what, what, you know, you tell me a 10 year old boy that doesn't want to be playing with fire and knives. So it was like right up my alley. Um, I, you know, and, and I'm, my family is rooted in Louisiana, New Orleans, which is known for food. Food plays mm-hmm. a big role and recipes and the feeling of food, the mood of food. I, I love it. And mm-hmm. uh, I, yeah, I, uh, you know, Brando and I, I used to cook every weekend, UFC fights, football games, whatever. And uh, clearly got made fun of at the beginning until everybody starts eating. <laughs> right. Yeah. Then it becomes a staple. And then yeah. years later, after he and I are roommates anymore, and my wife and I have moved to a different state. I hear him talking about, you know, he's buying a, a, a Nova sous vide cooker and that he's got different recipes for his tri tip and that he tried this and we're swapping recipes. Like, uh, wow. it's just, Brenda, you've gone to a whole nother level with this. So we can share a love of food here. Big shout out to the ultimate bachelor kitchen accessory, the Instant Pot with air fryer lid. Wow. I have to use my Instant Pot to make uh, potatoes for Thanksgiving dinner. That'll be fun. I have a very good recipe. See, look at the pride. You hear it. You can hear it in his voice. This guy, had he he made fun of me for making cappuccinos and then he bought the same cappuccino maker. It it wasn't intentionally. It was not intentionally the same cappuccino (laughs) maker. But I basically, about a year and a half ago now, I pretty much stopped drinking. So instead of finding like a good whiskey or a good scotch, I kind of just channeled that weird OCD-ish energy into making a, a damn good cup of coffee. Hey, and the ritual. Down the, uh, the espresso the ritual. path. Yeah. yeah. Cup, I got the pour over as well. I got the French press. Whatever you want, I can do it. Wow. Listen to this. You see what I'm saying? Wow. Is now you want a brevet? I will make you a zone. damn good brevet. I get my beans locally sourced, freshly roasted. Cafe. <laughs> Thank you very much. Locally sourced, even. That's yeah. impressive. Yeah, he's gone full tilt. It's hilarious because oh, yeah. I remember when it was black coffee. Well, to be but... fair, I still drink my coffee black, but good man, but good man, prepared the right way. <laughs> yeah, so it's all in the that... preparation. Is that history with you too, man? I mean, did your parents have a big cookbook? A lot of exposure to eateries and things too, like I did. Or where did your, or was that just through? Uh, eating at my house (laughs) no food you know growing up food played a huge part in my upbringing um but not so traditionally my dad was and is the home cook my mom does not cook she dials the phone and orders takeout yeah yeah dad does all the cooking so he would cook dinner uh most nights once the kids got older, we would chip in with whatever, you know, limited knowledge. But he was the one that really, you know, showed me how to use a knife, how to dice an onion, how to those basic kitchen skills all came from my dad. Um, when you've always been close to your dad, real close. Yeah. Yeah. He's, you know, we again, we share a special bond. It's, and again, rooted, rooted in food. Um, yeah. But 
that's that's where it came from. You know, Sunday mornings before church, dad made us breakfast every Sunday. Every single Sunday we had breakfast. And And you could tell he cared about it by what he made, how he made it, how it looked when he gave it to you, the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. But and he may this, not have this, pointed those things out, right? But you no, can see it. No, but to this day, that's how he cooks food for us. It's it's a joy to him. He that's what he wants to do. He loves it. And that's where I got my love of food from is from you know, initially learning and, and watching him cook. And, uh, and then um, fast forward to Vegas and you've got access to top tier quality, everything. Yeah. Yeah. Which and you enjoy the hell out of it, of course. Yeah. I mean, I like to think I, you know, I can appreciate, I, I mean, I'm not necessarily a food snob, you know, I, I can. Sure you are. Give yourself uh, some credit. Okay. A little I bit. too. But a little bit. <laughs> I guess I just, I like food that's executed well, whether it's a hot dog or it's, yeah. you know, a, a four, four star meal. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's good food, it's good food. Well, that's, that. that's what well, I appreciate. Just eating a roommate plating is important. Oh, absolutely. Plating is important. You got to wipe plating. that thing down, make it look yes. pretty. You can't have dirty plates. Yeah, exactly. Don't don't finger Having fuck dirty your plates. plates is telling your inner guest <laughs> terrible. There's our shirt. You. Soon to be coming to our merch catalog. Don't finger fuck your plate. That's I had so a funny. I had a chef who would tell us that. Don't finger fuck your plates. And if you do, See, wipe it down. <laughs> this is so much a part of what I loved about chefs that I would go and harass <laughs> when I was a kid. I loved that brunt. <laughs> No bullshit attitude, right? You like yeah. the camera, yeah. I, I, but I do. I like that. You know, it was like it was always cut all the fluff out of what I have to say. Don't yeah. finger fuck your plates. Is it's great coaching. <laughs> <laughs> That's Bob Belichick level of coaching. I'm just telling you. It got the point across. You know, that's how we learned. Okay, don't get your fingers all over the plates. And again, if you do, clean it before you put it on the pass or send it over to chef to inspect. So yeah. do, do you feel like it's be deciding to go to uh, Le Cordon Bleu was Ooh, something that big. you, do you look back on that? Like, do you now with your perspective now, do you feel like you knew you wanted to do that a lot longer before you you sort of became aware of it and did you just become aware of it in vegas no it was something i always wanted to do um but okay because of my very particular dietary restrictions when i was a late uh about 15 i became a vegetarian and then that sort of morphed into do you know becoming I a vegan that? I, know. I just I forgot. It's been so that. long. It's okay. <laughs> wow, that is yeah. Oh man, that is a that is a good point. Yeah. I had forgotten you were a vegetarian. I uh, vegan even. I was vegan when we met. I was hardcore right. obsessive vegan. I was, and it's we could do a whole other episode on on that because it it. Oh, we're gonna get into. It, we're gonna have it, another episode. It really was. I look back on it and I'm like, oh my god, that was. That was an eating disorder is what happened. But that, again, that's another, that's another topic for another day. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, just to kind but of yeah, say, so I was you know, very yeah. restrictive in my diet at 
the, you know, that time of after high school where it's like, well, what do you want to do? And I, at that point had already known, I loved food. I loved cooking, wanted to go to culinary school, but I would not let go of, I was so just that, that, that veganism, that restricted diet was so ingrained in me. And that's where I say it. That's why I really feel like it was more of an eating disorder, not just, oh, I'm a vegan. It, I was on a different level with it. And I would well, not let I mean, that go. I would not no let vegan that go. powers, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's really impressive because to me, a life without cheese is a life not worth living. I don't know how I did it for so long, but I was miserable. So there, there is that. And I didn't realize how unhappy I was until I started bringing those things back into my diet. Um, but that was, like, that was why. Vegan as well, right? Because some people maybe like ovo lacto vegetarian. <laughs> I just I can't help but think of Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> I can't help but think of you going into Super Saiyan mode and playing a mad bass guitar <laughs> with your vegan powers. <laughs> if you haven't seen this re- crazy fun movie, Scott Pilgrim. I, I know we've amazing. talked about it so many times, and I've never watched it. <laughs> I know, and you should, especially with this reference. You're you're I totally will. right. I do want to dive into that whole because I yeah. I cannot believe it's been so long that I forgot you were a vegan. Yeah, like I said, really, really just obsessive. <laughs> I about think it. I asked you why you hated yourself when you told me. It's <laughs> like, why do you hate yourself? <laughs> I was, of course, just joking. proof that bacon makes everything better. It does. It does. We were definitely going to get into that at some point. Um, Mm -hmm. And look, to be honest, that's what we're trying with this new format. We're going to, you know, here in a few minutes, we'll probably get to a nice roundabout for people to kind of get to know you. Right. And then uh, I will do we will do, you know, a more deep dive into all these motivations. But I want people to get the idea. Right. You've you know, we all have this in common with food and our love and appreciation of everything from presentation and not finger fucking your plate. So important. <laughs> and it's, it's just, for me, it was the fact that you, as long as I've known you, you have carried on independent. And I mean, everybody wants a companionship and you've had relationships. Sure. Serious mm-hmm. ones, but mm-hmm. none of them changed your own like you're you deciding what you were going to do and then going right for it and look you've made it work every time on your own independently and i just think that's kind of badass fucking hard and uh, i think it's awesome (laughs) and i think you're funny as shit and interesting so it's like uh it's a good story you know and i think um it's definitely worth more of a deep dive but for now we're gonna just jump from seeing it, knowing it, you will get into this in a this in another ep- the extension episode later mm-hmm. on. But you go from Tucson to Vegas. You go mm-hmm. from Vegas to Huntington Beach. Huntington Beach. You go like how long is it? In like, I guess I should just ask how old were you when you got into culinary school? I was. 28 going to be 29 yeah did you feel like you were later on time you know i there was a i think on time quite honestly because i knew it wouldn't have happened it would not have happened 
I may not have gone through it successfully had it happened earlier. It felt right at that moment, at that time. And I don't look back on it and go, gosh, I wish I would have done that sooner. No, it happened exactly when it should have happened for me. Do you, and you, it was pretty smooth for you. How long did it take you to finish the program? And did you know you were going to, like, do you pick a concentration? Did you know where you were going with that? Yeah. Um, so they, they basically, there's, um, you can decide to, it, there's really only two. You can decide to be culinary focused or patisserie, baking and patisserie. And of, at first, um, I wanted to do culinary. And then the more I thought about it, I went, no, you know what? I really am more of a baker. That's, uh, that's what, that just felt right to me. There's a, a pers- it's thrown around as a cliche, but it really is true. Baking is a science. It's more precise. It's much more yeah. one plus one equals two. That's it. There's it's an chemistry. equation. Yeah. You don't deviate from it. And if you do, you do so very carefully and only in certain ways. And while yep. I love cooking, Baking just seemed to soothe my soul and satisfy me in a way that cooking did not. And so I knew that was the program that I needed to go with. Brenda, did you have something to say or ask there? I, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was going to yell at my dog, but I wasn't on mute. <laughs> <laughs> you can throw it in there. Doesn't have to make sense. No, I mean, I, so you, you go to baking and patisserie. How yeah. long did it take to get out of that again? It was about a two-year program. program. And they, they start you off, you go through what's called um, culinary foundations. So everybody's thrown into the same uh, maybe seven, eight months or so of just basic culinary stuff. Knife skills, uh, sauces, how to cook eggs. Saucier. Uh, yeah. All, you know, all, literally all of the French deeply rooted in French tradition, of course, you know, you're making these ridiculous, you know, butter, buttercream, buttercream. Yeah. Like this ridiculous veal on blanquette, you know, which is veal chunks, uh, braised in a weird white sauce that you go, Ooh. who the fuck is eating this? What is this? Um, no, nope, you know, the king. Hello. Yeah. You know, you, you learn how to do, uh, a, a consomme, you know, with a raft that is so antiquated, nobody does that anymore. Unless you're watching Top Chef and then you see people do it and you're like, oh my God. <laughs> I know well, how that's to what do it's that. all about. Well, look Preparing at that. For Top Chef. I can go on Top Chef. Uh, <laughs> you ever thought about getting on one? You ever thought about trying a show? I have thought about it, but <laughs> nice. I, I didn't expect that answer. I have thought about it. Yes. Yeah. Please Maybe. Do. I need to, I need to, I I would love to root for somebody on a show. I don't think I have enough personality and I don't think I'm competitive enough. There's a certain competitive edge. I think you have to have that. I, I I don't really have that. I think halfway through, I'd be like, all right, fuck this. I'm out. Yeah. You definitely should do it. That would be a great (laughs) show. I want to watch. (laughs) I want to see you go there. Exactly. Halfway through a quick fire and be like, fuck this. I'm taking my knives (laughs) and I'm going. I don't need Padma to dismiss me. I'm dismissing myself. You guys have fun. <laughs> well, I would telling you it would be great. I would watch the hell out of it. It'd go viral. <laughs> Especially if it was like oh. Gordon Ramsay you're telling off. It'd be great. <laughs> so th- this whole thing changed your life, though. I mean, you you it did. Yeah. You get the chef's hat effectively. You mm-hmm. 
your whole line of work and career changes. It ends mm-hmm. up again taking you as a platform to Vegas. Mm-hmm. And back again, really. Now, do you feel like that's like you mentioned before? You just, you know, you go there, you spend a few years, and you kind of feel like this is what I'm really missing is Arizona. Um, yeah, oof, that's kind of a comp. You, you're talking, you're referring to this the second time when I moved there this in 2017. Last, yeah, I mean, because I'm, I'm trying to build to the fact that you're, you know, back the, the, in. You're um, a homeowner. I mean, you're you you've got a yes. beautiful home, and you live in Arizona in a very nice area near Phoenix. Mm-hmm. You're doing um, well for yourself, and it's all from this same like trailblazer sort of in it on your own kind of yeah. attitude. And I think a yeah. lot of people wouldn't wouldn't necessarily have had that that uh, willpower. Man, Brando doesn't. He's not a chef. <laughs> <laughs> I am a journeyman level bachelor style chef yes hey there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong actually the last woman i cooked dinner for raved about it to her friends oh Mm -hmm. i think every woman you've cooked for has raved about it to her friends yes oh yeah Wow. Yeah, I, okay. I I know I know of two. I have not have any idea. I don't know them, but I know of one that I do know. So I know there's definitely three. Oh, maybe that two. does say something. Yes, I I spatchcocked a chicken, um, roasted it in a cast iron pan, skin side down for about thirty minutes, flipped it around wow. for the last, flipped it around for the last ten to get to temperature. Uh, by the way, big shout out to uh, Thermopen. If you guys want to sponsor mm-hmm. us, great. I will totally shill. Please do. Thermopens are great. Yep, um, love them. Did some just uh, sauteed asparagus, and then uh, just a uh, just a simple garlicky mashed potato thing on the side. Yeah. Now the tiramisu for dessert. Let me tell you about how I did that. I went to fucking Whole Foods and bought it. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I <laughs> I was so ready for. This great story outlining your recipe for tiramisu. <laughs> that was a great setup, man. I bought in. I 100 bought in. I, I mean, don't I get know. me wrong. I'll, I'll I'll give that a shot one day when I'm really bored. Yeah. But uh, now, no. for a first date, I'm not making tiramisu. Anybody got time for that? You know, I'm not an expert on Whole Foods desserts, but I've heard their tiramisu is fantastic. It was I surprisingly bet. good. They have a lot of quality products. If I had any reason to talk highly about them, I'd probably do it. Mm. But, you know, I I, I get where you're going with that. Now, I find it funny because, um, like, just recently, you know, I've been, like, he's into his, uh, uh, what would you call, airless fryer. His airless fryer is his his latest fascination. Mine is still... I'm well, still know, very infatuated with my interrupt because it's one of those things like a sous vide device I use to make up for apartment kitchens. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. That's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's fair. I just think it's it's air fryer is um I almost wish I should what should we call it an immersion cooker is the right way to say it. Sous vide's just a fancy marketing tool. It's an immersion cooker, right? So it's essentially a cylinder you drop into some water. The water heats. You put some food in a bag. 
I did two or sorry, four turkey legs from frozen for five hours at like 155 degrees. And after I had kind of done a, a simple marinade, poured it right in the bag. You guys should look it up if you want to know what it is. I'm not going to bore you by going into too much description. Just suffice it to say, these turkey legs fell off the bone and were incredibly tender. I mm. love the effect of something, whether it's presentation or something smart, air fryer. Air fryer just blows my mind. It feels like a magic trick, like a rabbit out of a hat. Yeah. You know, here comes perfect French fries and they're not greasy. And that's just because I... that's just purely marketing genius for not letting people know that an air fryer is just a very tiny convection oven. Oh, is that right. what it is? Really? Yeah. That's all it is. Oh. Fancy marketing. Yeah. Interesting. It's smart. Yeah. But it cracked on the skin on my chicken wings and uh, bone, bone on skin on chicken breast, Ch- chicken thighs. Very good for that. Hmm. Interesting. So have you have you lost any of your musical elitism? Elitism? Elitists? I don't know what to say. <laughs> you still an elitist when it comes to music? Um Yeah. Yeah, I am. I have to admit I am. What's, I don't I'm... Give me give me something you like you still find yourself playing that you were addicted to when you were working at Strictly. Oh, and don't go for the low hanging fruit. I know what you're going to go ahead and say it. So I don't have to make fun of it. I mean, do you want specific, I, I don't mm. want to name specific bands, but I'll, I'll, I mean, the genre is the same. That has Come on, changed. You got to have one. What's there's timeless bands. I can think of one that I think you might say. What? I'm not saying it. You should say it. <laughs> I'll have they, to do they, an impression of the man. They are my favorite. They will always be my favorite. Yes. Metallica. Oh. There. I yes. said it. Yes. Thank you. Considering That's... we're coming up on the holiday season, I do need to tell the uh, listeners out there about my favorite Christmas tradition. Um, the couple of days actually leading up to Christmas, I come back to the onslaught of Christmas music by having the first four Metallica albums in rotation in my car going. That's with, the window, with the windows down to spread the love. Yes, that's how you. That's how they should be listened to. Absolutely, absolutely. This is gonna make uh, <laughs> this is gonna make Mitch incredibly happy. He's got he's got fingers pointed to the sky in metal form right now. I am. I I am a you know I'm a metal girl at heart. That's just that's that genre I go back to every single time. I, it has evolved. You know, I listen to a lot of other things, um, but uh, if you scroll through my, you know, my phone through my Spotify account, it's still dominated by by heavy metal. It's just, yeah, that has not changed. Don't think it's going to. Righteous, dude. I like that a lot. I like that a lot, a lot. Well, I think this has been a good opportunity for people to kind of get a good sense of not only our friendship, but a little bit of who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, would you come back and do a deeper dive into some of what motivated some of those moves and some of the things you've had to overcome? Yeah, absolutely. Of course. And that way people can continue kind of hearing your story. I know we just kind of barely jumped all over it, but I think we got to the <laughs> heart of it. And I love, I, I will talk about food and recipes and 
And honestly, I think it might be a cool thing to have every now and then is just what are we eating? Especially yeah. now. Yeah. And so I'm before I uh kind of jump off and we end this episode, I want I got a couple of last minute questions. One okay. is let's let's save kind of the what are you eating, but I'll get you thinking about that now. Cause I know it times are tough. You gotta deal with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Things get you get burnt out. What's the food that gets you through? Okay, don't answer me. Yeah, go ahead. Let's start there. Let's just go with what is the food you're using to get you through? Brando, you're next. What are you finding yourself keep going back to? Um doesn't have to be something you made, by the way. You could say five guys. It could be anything that is your comfort food. Like what's your comfort food in in 2020? <laughs> I, I wouldn't say it's there. Uh, it's two things. One, as a, just a, a general idea, breakfast foods. When I start my day with a really good breakfast, whether that's bacon and eggs and omelet, it's always savory. I'm not a sweet breakfast girl, but a good breakfast. That's like, that's comforting to me. The other thing is that I discovered in Las Vegas, um, a good bowl of spicy ramen, authentic Japanese ramen. Real ramen. Yeah. Real yes. Ramen. Not like yeah. the packet from the grocery store for 10 cents, like a real bowl with the, the nice soft boiled egg and the, you know, Oh, that's, that's my thing. That's, that's one thing I miss about Vegas because there are so many amazing ramen places. Thankfully one just opened up the street down here for me and I had it last night and it was amazing. So, so good. good. It was so Brando, good. what's the food that's getting you through lately, bro? It's a, a very similar lane to Larissa. The uh, especially in the morning, the sriracha honey sunrise bagel sandwich from Brugger's. <gasps> oh my gosh, it's so good! Sorry, it's so good. <laughs> no, yes. no, I, I just pay. I just you know let them extort me for extra bacon, and it's the uh, it is it, it is the perfect breakfast sandwich yes. i do get right. it on a jalapeno bagel every now and then just to change things up but same oh, it's, it's so same. good it's so good yeah. it's so good i know I it love well. the jalapeno bagel yeah <laughs> so i i haven't it's been a long time since i've and, bought and, a and then to be sandwich. fair i i have been spending a lot of time with my tawdry pandemic mistress her name is chipotle oh no judgment no judgment. No judgment. I tried that for the first time recently. Gotta admit, the hype was it was worth the hype. Lived up to the hype. You know, if they want to do they, something yeah. good in 2020, they could bring back the chorizo as well. Oh, I never tried that. Ooh, that was it, was right. it was all right. <laughs> I mean, look, yeah, it was all right. Yeah, down Nico's quality. There was a restaurant quality. Sure. It's good Yeah, mine's pretty simple, man. I, I live in southern Louisiana, so it's been, mm. yeah. I mean, what can I say? There's a, a great hole-in-the-wall pull boy shop that I can get a, a <sighs> corn beef corn beef pull boy. That's uh, for some reason I'm addicted to. Their pastrami is really good, and then fried chicken. I oh, there are yes. little places I was here. Thinking not, about not so much fried like chicken today, but I'm just saying some of the some of the oh and. I will say it's not New Orleans without candied bacon, Brando. I know you're gonna have something to chime in with uh with Tucson, but Ruby Slipper here is one of those places you go to that have the 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 confit eggs benedict 
and the candy bacon. It's still those things are what's cone fee eggs Benedict. Yeah. Yep. Can you explain I've, that to me, please? Because I'm I'm intrigued. You'll have to come and visit when all this but, is done. <laughs> what is cone feed? No, you. It's a. I'll have to explain it when we have more time. Cone feet. It's not the D. I didn't say a D either. But, but so he, moving okay. on. Yeah, I mean, my, that's all I'm getting. I'll believe me. We'll do, go deep dive okay. into food. But oh, if I start yeah. going into it, we're gonna have a long. <laughs> You know about what what what? There's a whole other language here, and even if I even if I made a mistake there, when you have it, you'll see what I was talking about. Okay. So my last question is more on a, I guess an odd tangent, but it's been something of a reoccurring theme, and I want to touch on it before I let you go. Mm-hmm. And it has more more to do with real world. We've talked about all the stuff we love because of sort of what the nature of my conversation today has been i've i've noticed that and we talked about this on the phone recently about the significance of having a woman in the vice presidency Mm -hmm. and i've found it really interesting just to see um what women feel as a reaction to that whether not necessarily agree or disagree on the politics of that person but you know, you're this, the way I've kind of see you is this person who's been very, you know, uh, if you want to use a, that metaphor, you're cracking at the glass ceiling, right? <laughs> what's, what's the significance to you personally, or is there one that Kamala Harris is now the vice president or vice president elect? Yeah. 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 Formalities. <laughs> <laughs> um. I was initially I was surprised at how instinctually emotional it felt. Um, I wasn't sure. I wasn't. I was glad that Joe Biden picked her, even though she was not my my female choice of candidate. But I thought she was a good pick, someone I could support. Um, and I didn't realize how much it was going to mean until she actually, till the election was, you know, called in their favor. And I found myself getting very emotional and I couldn't quite understand why. Um, because it, it, it just felt very significant. This felt like something I was never going to see in my lifetime, a woman as a vice president, much less a woman a mixed race woman, you know, a woman of color. I never, ever thought that would happen. And, you know, I, I didn't grow up thinking that as a female, there was anything, you know, my parents weren't sort of championing me as like, Oh, you can do anything. You could be president of the United States. Like they never, it wasn't that. They weren't doing the opposite either. Right. They weren't like, yeah, but they never, it never occurred to me that I couldn't do something simply because I was a female that didn't come until I was an adult side note, actually working at GameStop. That was the one like, wow. Okay. I'm seen as less than or different from, because simply because I'm a female and that sort of formed me. How could you know what that game was going to be like? Yeah. How How could could you know, how could you know how to 
hook up a system? You know, how could you know what's in stock? Do you know, do you even play video games? Do you just work here because of your boyfriend so he can get a discount? All of those very, you know, that was the first time in my life where I felt viewed in a negative way simply because I was female. And it sort of opened my up my eyes to the idea that that's how women really are seen in most walks of life. And did you get that when you talk about sports? Where like where men would just be like sort of unnervingly shocked I, that you knew as much as you did about I what was going do. on. Yeah, I still do. I still get that one. Where it's happened most recently at the the new store that I'm at, um, where guys will be in the office, you know, on the other side talking about something and then I'll chime in and then they'll kind of be like, Oh, you know baseball? And I'm like, Yeah, motherfucker, I've been watching it since I was five. What are you talking about? Yeah, I know baseball and football. You want to talk about hockey? Because I know hockey too. College football, college basketball. What do you got? Let's go. I know tennis too. Okay, what? What? What You got? Let's talk about. Well, well, Um, let's. uh, I don't want to get your K Swiss dirty and get really into it here. You want to talk about the Masters? Let's get into it. You know what? I watch the Masters every single year. I really. I think it's no. I I like that. I just think it's it's like you're saying. I, I. I'm a I'm a child of a of a headstrong single woman and my sister's headstrong and opinionated. It always takes me back that you know, I don't react that way because it doesn't really occur to me like that. It's not mm-hmm. I just don't see it, right? And yeah. then I hear about it and I see it right in front of me from other people and it always seems really like hilarious or trivial. You know, I I can't imagine not being taken seriously yeah. at all. Yeah. <clears throat> so to, then, did, go ahead, to please. See, yeah. So just to see a strong female put in that position and then to be set up for a very real possible presidential run in four years is incredible. Right. It's incredible. I, 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 I still can't quite articulate what that means and what it feels like. It's just, it just feels amazing. It's just incredible. And I love that I'm alive in a time to see that happen because I literally never thought I would see it. And like I said, there was a black man in the office of president in the White House as president before a woman. And I thought, and that's amazing. And I loved, again, I'm so excited that I got to see that happen. But I thought there's never going to be a woman. There's never going to be a woman. Or not in your lifetime. Not in my lifetime. Not in my lifetime. So I have a couple questions about that, um, and you don't have to delve in. Uh, so those are the kinds of things that just didn't occur to me, and I'm going to reference a conversation I have with my wife, Brooke, uh, right after we were discussing that it looked like it was going to be Biden-Harris, and mm-hmm. uh, and she got emotional too. And the, the statement that sticks with me is when she said, I, I didn't, like almost like I think what she said was she didn't know it it could happen. Yeah. Yeah. And and that is not something I think um for I per, like for me I perceive that as sort of I was completely blind to that line of thinking. Like for me I as a as a man I'm sitting there thinking, <laughs> "Oh yeah, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time." Right? Like I'm not again some of those thoughts tr- are trivial to me where um, somebody 
might thinking that a woman couldn't do it because they were a woman would would just be sort of weird. I'm always wanting to know who the person is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would have never thought, oh, I didn't know it could happen. And and that that kind of really quickly went into a discussion about the like how women or some women felt about the election in uh, 2016 and and less like more on this front of of masculine feminine that rep, like those were represented not so much yeah. uh uh clinton and and trump that it was more the country voted for the patriarchy right yep right and yep. and I, not not just because it not because it was republican necessarily but because of the the voice that was being represented there by yes some of the things that trump was saying and his history and things like that and so you know it just didn't hit me that and that's really blind of me right but it just didn't yeah. occur to me that that would be the way that it felt for a woman or women right mm-hmm. And so for Harris to get into that office, um, you seem to be echoing some of those same sentiments. Yeah. Well, and also I think because of the way the election went in 2016, it felt like, like you said, it felt like a victory for the, for the patriarchy, you know, and it felt like we, we took so many steps back and again, it just felt like, well, gosh, you know, how is how is this ever it's never going to happen at this point you know maybe right. we could have but we saw this woman make a, a a good run for it win the popular vote but ultimately it didn't happen so it just that that defeat whether you supported hillary clinton or not in that regard it felt like such a crushing defeat and i think a lot of for women yes and i think when that yeah. happened it was really defeating because that that was a sign to me that wow okay this this is really a man's world it's just going to be dominated okay. by men because that's that's what the country wants they want that pussy grabbing man in the white house okay great <laughs> I, can, I actually got a, a question here for you on that larissa um and thank god this didn't happen but would you have felt the same sense of elation if Sarah Palin would have wound up our first female vice president, That's first woman in the White good House? Question. No, I would not. No, I would not. Good answer. Okay. No. Um, that kind of no. that's a good way for me to segue into a question I had about it too, because I think, um, without like, I mean, there's a lot of jokes that have already been made by professional comedians. And, and, and may, may, may I just say them? Getting on a little ahead of myself here, but uh, my my, my uh, other question for you, Larissa. Sorry to interrupt you, Charlie. Was oh, good. What made for you Clinton's loss more impactful? The fact that she is a woman, or the fact that if you just look at her resume, there's basically probably never been a better candidate for the president in the history of our country. It, or, it both, both, both. Quite honestly, right? Yeah. Both, both, because I don't, ooh, I hope this isn't a, a bad way of saying this and it doesn't come across in a negative way, but I don't, okay, let me say it this way. I don't believe in supporting people simply because of their gender. 
I'm not going to support right. a woman just because she's a right. woman. Right, right, right. Uh, and same thing. Like not, just like I'm not going to support a man just because he's a man. And that's, you know, man should be president. And so that's what I'm going to support. I'm going to support a man. Um, and so I would not have supported Hillary Clinton just because she was a woman. I would not have supported Hillary, uh, Sarah Palin just because she was a woman or Kamala Harris. I, I don't believe in supporting a particular person, whether that's an athlete, a politician, uh, a team member that I work with, whatever it may be. I, I want the best person for the job, man or woman. That's okay, it. Well, so I, 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 go ahead. I, I think both of you may find very amusing the, the moment I realized when Kamala Harris would be fantastic in the White House and why I'm a little scared of her, to be honest. As a, as a person, not not a member of the executive branch. Uh, do you remember her ripping Bill Barr a new asshole in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mamala yep. scare, scares me. Would you ever want to be on the receiving end of that anger? Dear God. Well, but yeah. so, this is kind no. of my point. Right? This is what I want to point out, though, because, you know, we were drawing these, these uh, in, we're talking about Hillary and we're talking about uh, Sarah Palin. And, you know, Palin was a, before we could say anything about her personality or how she read or, you know, her uh, interviews where she didn't have, you know, clearly any resource information to quote on, uh, she was a governor. I read all the newspapers. Right. Was a governor on paper, mm-hmm. served in government. Can't take that away. Not mm-hmm. as relatable to a huge portion of the country, right? Sure. Then you have. Uh, Hillary Clinton, who, again, on paper, with everything that she had accomplished and offices she had presided over, like you said, most qualified. Mm-hmm. And again, though, problem with relatability from women, some women, A and lot definitely for men. And then, like you said, the end result is what you've described feeling. So then you get to what you're talking about with Kamala Harris and, and Bill Barr. She's a grade A prosecutor. Put that on display in that session. I feel like I did something wrong just listening to that. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but that that is a more, I'm saying that, that it's almost, I guess my question for you, Larissa, is uh, actually two questions. Did you know of Kamala Harris in California when you were there? No, not while I was okay. living there. No, okay. I did not. Okay, so no problem, no problem. So then move forward to now. It's not just, it's it's got to be, from my very male perspective, it seems like it would be more gratifying that it's not just a woman, it's not just a woman with a great resume and pedigree to be in that office. But it's that the person and the prosecutorial like approach that's been on display and how she did in uh, the primaries mm-hmm. and stand speaking, you know, being the way she is self-spoken yeah. and the strength that comes from there. It's the, is it that's some extra part of like it's not it's a really good representation for more of the kind of woman that I have interactions with and I'm married to. Like I see more of that prosecution going on my way and that kind of strength and, and, you know, being well-spoken to your opinion and, and having the conviction to stand with it. I mean, she's, yeah, that's an impressive person that is also a woman. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's not just that she's a woman. It's that she is a particular type of woman that is admirable and strong. And that, that makes it even more impactful and impressive and meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. And dare I say, inspiring, you know, my, my cold, dark, black jaded heart was, you know, yeah, even a little inspired by it. Brenda, did you have something to add? We both jumped in and cut her off. (laughs) Totally just just scrambled her brain. No, I was just again, once again, kind of didn't realize I was unmuted. Ah, okay. Well, on on the inspirational note of saying, you know, that she's an inspiration, I guess that that's my last question before we we end this episode, and and we have a lot to delve into in a in another part, at, and we'll definitely mm-hmm. schedule it as soon as possible. But sure. we've got to go into some of these obstacles. We've got to go into more food. We've got to go into a lot of different discussions. There's a lot of story here. And uh, I just, this is, I really appreciate you coming on and doing this, but this is my, my last question. Mm-hmm. Does this moment in time and that person in that office and how emotional you feel, does it change your, like yourself, like your view of yourself in the world? Like as much as 2016 might've changed your view of where you fit into the world. Do you feel like this has Uh, well obviously a great hopefully a greater impact but does it i don't think it has yet but i'm hopeful that it will right well that's exciting to think of i'm sure right yeah it's gonna be like in two years yeah and i think again that's where that emotion that just that inexplicable emotion behind it i think it's it's rooted to that that maybe it doesn't it's not you know there's more to it you know that's a great answer Larissa, thanks. Thanks for taking the time. I know you're busy. I know you got a lot and you've really done us a favor by by coming on the show and letting us talk your ear off and cut you off a few times. I'm very sorry. It's okay. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me and having me and talking to me. I appreciate it. I loved it. We're going to do more. Brando, what were you going to say? And we're going to talk some serious shop next time too. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's a given. Okay. Yeah. Well, hey, everybody, thank you for joining us on another episode of Brevity Box. Hope you've enjoyed. Uh, <laughs> hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. We're having a really good time making the show and trying to bring interesting content to you. We are uh, part of the Ruminations Radio Network. There is a good amount of content with a lot of variety there. If you like what you're hearing with us, and we hope that you do, like and subscribe. And also check out our network at www.ruminationsradionetwork.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye.